0: Welcome to the Dad Work Podcast. My name is Kurt Storing, your host and the founder of Dad Work. Today's guest is Josh Frank. We go deep talking about the light that shines in a dad's life immediately after he has kids, boundaries we have when it comes to our phones, growth mindset talks to have with your kids, how to support our kids in failure, the distinction between playing and practicing with our kids, the importance of therapy and counseling, mental health and family, entrepreneurship, and maintaining boundaries in business. Josh helps countless e-commerce businesses boost their revenue as the founder of Test Triggers. Father to two boys, he builds his business to fit his family, not the other way around. You can find Josh online on Twitter, at Josh Frank, or at his website, testtriggers.com. I'm excited to get into this. Josh and I are both members of a community called the Dynamite Circle, which is a community of entrepreneurs who travel or who are location independent. And I just love how this is not Josh's normal thing. He's not into this space. He's, you know, just a dad with a business doing his best. And he's got some amazing tips and he just goes very vulnerable. He's very open. And I really, really appreciate that he showed up for this because he certainly didn't have to. I reached out and asked if there would be anybody in this community who would share their tips and their wisdom and their expertise. And Josh stepped up and man, I'm just so grateful for dads like Josh. He's doing a great job building a business and he's doing a great job building a family. So I hope you get a lot of this one, whether you're interested in entrepreneurship, growth mindset, or perhaps the best part of this episode actually is Josh's distinction between playing and practicing with our kids. I think you'll love this. It gave me a new perspective that I hope you can bring to your own life so that you can both support your kids and push them when they need to be pushed. With that being said, let's dive into this episode with Josh Frank. Josh Frank. Thank you for joining me today, and welcome to the Dad Work Podcast, man. I'm pumped to have you as a uh, as a brother in this community we're a part of, and really looking forward to diving into your experience.
1: Yeah, Kurt, uh, thanks for the invite. Um, I'm excited to chat and share some stories, and also, you know, I think I'm going to maybe pick your brain a little bit on 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 fatherhood.
0: Amazing. Yeah, I can't wait for that, actually. And uh, the reason that I had you on is because we are a part of this community for, uh, at least when I joined, the sort of premise was traveling entrepreneurs, location independent business owners. And I mean, I spent two years overseas. I lived in Asia and Europe with my kids. And that was a fantastic Uh, just growing opportunity for me. And being in that same sort of space, I was just telling you before this, like, I know that you've got a very thoughtful approach to how you do business, to how you sort of manage your life and your family. And that's why I wanted to have you on. And I love the points that you brought up that came up for your journey, um, which we're going to get into everything from growth mindset to therapy, to resistance to therapy, mental health, uh, and then business as well, because you are a successful business owner. But the thing that I want to start with is just your journey into fatherhood. And I always ask this question to to men on the show because my journey into fatherhood was one of like misery, anger, disappointment, (laughs) frustration. Like just, I was the worst dad for a long time. And it was like the greatest gift because it highlighted all the crap that I needed to deal with mentally and like in my heart to grow as a man. So was your transition into fatherhood smooth? And if so, how? <laughs> and if it wasn't, what did it look like for you?
1: Yeah, so so let's start with something you said there that, that really piqued something in my mind when you mentioned that, you know, like uh, having your kids sort of shined a light on your own your own things, let's call them. And there is certainly, uh, that is so, so true for, for myself as well. I mean, nothing will point to your insecurities or the things that you don't like about yourself until you start having kids. And and it's just such a an immediate light shine on all of those things. I mean, as far as my journey into fatherhood, I guess maybe I feel almost atypical in this sense in, in speaking with friends and other entrepreneurs where uh, a lot of people they they stay so long in that I'm not sure I want kids phase, you know, and they push it off as like long as possible. I, I I always knew that I wanted to be a dad. I always knew that I wanted that to be a part of my journey, even if that journey involved entrepreneurship. So as far as you know, you know, uh, approaching having kids, it was it was scary for all the reasons it should be scary, but I, I felt like this was this was my journey. This is my path. Like I think that a lot of that came from wonderful childhood, two loving parents, but both of them worked a lot and they did that to <clears throat> give us a bunch of incredible opportunities, but you sort of go like, well, shit, I might do that a little differently when I when I have kids, right? So, so, so that was a lot of, you know, when I came into fatherhood, I, I definitely had a lot of thoughts on like, on, on how I wanted to do things. And uh, what's the the famous Mike Tyson quote, like it's a, it's a plan until you get punched in the face. Having the kid is getting punched in the face, and and you definitely you go oh shit six months have gone by. What about all those things I said I was going to do, right? So that's where like you said the, the light gets sh- uh, shown uh, on on all those things, and you go well shit I I better figure out a way to start you know making my imprint, or else you know it's going to happen one way or the other, right? The time's going to go by, um, and it's whether or not you're actually you know doing those guiding principles you you thought before you had kids when you had time to think.
0: And what were some of those things that the light shone on that you're like, okay, I got to deal with this sooner than later?
1: Yeah. So I would say the, the, the biggest thing was probably like, am I spending time with my kids or am I just there with my kids or am I spending like quality time? And, and the biggest disruptor for that, like no doubt is the phone. Um, you know, so so like I run a, a business and agency that works with e-commerce clients and, and the, the nature of my business is we're making these like, changes to sites that get sometimes millions of visitors a month. And if one little thing is wrong, it breaks. That's always the fear in the back of my mind. So that's these reasons why you're, you're checking your email, you're checking your Slack, and you're doing that, you know, while your kid's in front of you playing Legos and you're like, I'm there, it's good. Um, and then there's like, there'll always be one of those moments where your kid, you realize your kid asked you something, right? And you go like, what? Because you're checking like an email, right? So, so that was one of the first things that I noticed, like, oh shit, man, you are, you're there, but you're not you're not giving it your all. So, um, you know, putting the phone away has been a a big thing for me, especially now that I have two boys, it's just like adding the phone. You're just, you're going to miss a bloody nose real quick. Um, but yeah, that would be, (laughs) that's one of the first ones that, that, uh, that, uh, um, that was exposed, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, can you go into whether or not you have boundaries around your phone? This is something that I've been really focused on lately because with my business as well, I'm, you know, interacting with people and for me it's like Instagram and Facebook and email and stuff like that and I'm creating content and I'm putting content out. So in the one hand I can like justify being on my phone. On the other hand, like I can do a lot better work that has no distractions when I'm actually on the desktop and, you know, don't have to deal with that. So I was noticing that with my phone in my pocket upstairs I would check to see how my stuff was doing. I'd like, you know, you just get in there and see like what the stats are like. And so suddenly you're like, you know, an hour deep into scrolling mindlessly. And I'm just going like, I've missed this last hour. What am I doing? And so I made a simple boundary that my phone doesn't leave my office. I'm down from four hours a day on the phone to two hours a day because it made a significant commitment to that in Q4. And it's working, man. Like I've got so much more time and space. So do you have things like that that you build in or what is your sort of phone time routine?
1: Yeah. So I have a, I have a couple of things on this because I am, I am the type of person where if there's a loophole, like I'll find it. Right. If, if, if it's, you know, trying to not be on my phone, but I, I just told myself I would try and scale it down. That doesn't work for me. So I have a couple of, of tools that I use and, 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 and boundaries as well. So there, this, this is actually like, uh, this is in my work life and in my personal life. So, um, like, let's say I have to, you know, write a dreaded email that I don't want to write to a client, right? I'll play around on Twitter and act like I'm growing an audience and all these things, but in reality, I'm just doom scrolling, right? But, so I have have a tool I use called uh, Freedom. I think the, I think the URL is freedom.to. But basically I can set up a list of apps on my phone and, and desktop um, websites. um, And, and I say, you know, every day from 6 AM to 11 AM, they're just blocked. Um, I can't use them. There's no password. Even if I restart my computer, um it just won't let me go to facebook twitter um whatever i think there's a pretty long list now um because i started to get into like maybe if i check the local news right so i have to add that one (laughs) right that's really bad i'm I'm, I'm terrible i'm terrible so that um that app will will again like block all social during the times of day i'm I'm supposed to be doing uh focused work another thing would be a physical boundary like in the house um so basically from the time that the kids come home from school and daycare through dinner time, like it's just up on a shelf where like, if I need to go over and like check something, that's fine, but I can't sit down. <laughs> that's my rule for myself. Right. I can't that's like, it, right? I can't sit on the couch with because it's just like, I'm gone all of a sudden I'm looking at sports and whatever else. So it's kind of like on a shelf. Um, and then, you know, after dinner, when the kids go to bed and things like that, if I want to like check, I kind of like let myself go at that point. Cause it's just a, a winding down thing. Um, and I would say one last thing. I, I think this was this was from a podcast, and probably like I, I want to say it was a it was a Tim Ferriss thing, but it was like thinking about yourself on a on a Friday or a Saturday morning. Let's say a Saturday morning, and you go like I'm gonna just do a quick email check. And the, and the I think the thought experiment or whatever was saying to yourself, if I go in this inbox and there's like some sort of small fire or task or whatever, but I'm really not able to fix it because it's a Saturday morning and I'm about to go take the kids to the zoo. What is the good in opening that up right now and just letting myself know there's a problem? You know, I guess it's sort of like a, a Schrodinger's cat thing, right? You don't know if there's a problem or if the cat's dead or alive in the box till you open it, right? Like, you don't know if there's a problem or not in your inbox until you open it. So just don't open it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, If you don't, the, you don't have the point. capacity to carefully handle all the things that come up in entrepreneurship and whatnot, then just don't open it. Leave it till Monday. And if it's a true emergency, someone will get hold of you, right?
0: (laughs) I resonate with that a lot because I have done the same sort of thing. Like my routine used to be I'd get up, I'd, you know, check my aura ring, I'd meditate, I'd stretch. And then I just like flick open the emails to see, you know, if anything needs my attention. I'm like, well, I'm going to the gym now and then I got to take the kids to school. So like, I'm not going to do anything for like three hours. And I was getting into the habit of like ruining my mornings when Mm -hmm. something came up. And so I just stopped checking my email in the morning. And uh, one of the other things just on that, I think it probably was Tim Ferriss as well, which is why it's coming up, is the question, would you wake up early to do the thing you're doing before bed? And this is sort of the flip side to the morning. If you are spending hours and hours at night before bed, uh, just scrolling on your phone, ask yourself, would you be willing to wake up at like 5am to do what you're doing now? And if not, like don't do it because sleep, which, you know, I'll, I'll talk about <laughs> right. at some point on this podcast is flipping vital, like absolutely so important, especially showing up for dads. Like if you're not sleeping, you're going to get triggered so much easier. So that's just, I don't know, one last point on that, I suppose. Um, on parenting now, I want to get into all the questions we had, but I'm wondering like what kind of principles or guiding like behaviors or fundamentals you use as a parent. So like, are there certain things that you'll always do to make sure your kids feel a certain way so that they have this like, Mm -hmm. you know, support underneath them. What is your sort of parenting guideline look like?
1: Yeah. So, so I really try not to get too technical and and, and rigid with this, but if I can, I, I try to boil things down to like, what's a mantra that can be repeated because like the the truth is for lack of a better phrase, like when the shit hits the fan, with kids, like I get overwhelmed if I'm like, Oh, I, I have this uh, framework or workflow I have to go through for decision-making. But if I just can settle it down to like a, a mantra, it tends to help. So for my, for my wife and I in that newborn stage, or let's call it like the first, you know, year or so we would just say to each other, like this too shall pass. And the thing that I loved about this, cause it, it, it worked in the really tough moments and it worked in the really like incredible grateful moments too. So when you were, when you're really going through it with the kids, like, let's say, sleep, you know, they're not, they're getting up every 90 minutes. There's, it feels like this crying fit will never end. Like it's to remind yourself, but it it will end like this too shall pass. This kid will go to sleep at some point. And then on the flip side, you know, when you're like, you're, you're, you're holding your baby and then they're sleeping in your arms. And it's just the most incredible feeling you can feel like this too shall pass. Right. So to, to try and understand that I don't necessarily write in like a gratitude journal or anything, but like to try and like enjoy those moments and understand that this is the reason why I'm not Holding my baby and scrolling Twitter in the other hand, right? Like this is the reason why that's not <laughs> a great idea. So um, that's definitely tended to help my wife and I. Now, now that my kids are a little bit older, they're um, one and a half and five. So especially, obviously, with my my five year old, grit and resiliency is is a big thing that my wife and I have talked about with with our children, feeling like that's a a cornerstone value where it, it, it just no matter what times are like good or bad, having grit and resiliency is, is going is to gonna help. And so we started to, to discover and, and look into what's referred to as like fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Now, I am by no means an, an expert in this, but the kind of gist of it being uh, we tend to talk to our, our children and each other in a very fixed mindset way, which is just telling them no matter what, like you are great at this, you are strong, you are smart, almost like trying to project an affirmation onto them. Now the the problem with this becomes when the child uh, gets to a situation, let's say it's a, a reading assignment or something, and they're failing at it, and they think like, how could I possibly be failing at this? Like I'm smart. I've been told I'm, I'm smart. Like why can't I do this? Something's wrong. Now on the flip side of that, like thinking in terms of a, of a growth mindset is, uh, and this will go back to like the mantra thing. So right now our, our mantra with our son is we try hard things. It's not, you know, we always win. It's not, it's going to be okay. Cause sometimes things aren't okay, but it's, we try hard things. So the thought behind it, and nothing will ever be perfect But the thought behind it is when kids are then challenged, their mantra is not like, I'm perfect. I'm smart. It's I try hard things. Right. So like it's just the attempt of the hard thing that is the goal as opposed to being smart, where sometimes you are just simply not going to feel smart. And so I just, I noticed this a lot. I was recently on a kind of a zoom call for a family baby shower, and they were going around giving advice. And the most common theme was, like, don't worry, you're going to be a great parent. Don't worry, like, everything's going to be great. In the back of my mind, I'm like, that's kind of bullshit, though, because everything's not going to be great, right? There are gonna be so many tough times. And there are gonna be plenty of days where you will go like, Everyone keeps telling me I'm such a good mom, good dad. Like, why does this not feel right? And that was a big thing for me, like understanding those really hard times again, baby just never stops crying, like whatever else that, you know, it's, it's supposed to be hard. And I don't think we talk about that enough.
0: Yeah, that man, that is a perfect segue. That's exactly where I was going to go after this. So it's beautiful that you led into that. And I I love, first of all, just to touch on this and put like an exclamation point. The, this too shall pass during the good times, because that is something we do as well. Like I woke up with my son the other day, I I stayed with him and he woke up really late and I was just sitting there with a you know, one and a half year old. And there was like nothing more perfect than that. Like going outside gives me that feeling. Being in nature gives me that feeling, but waking up to the softness and going like, this will not last. Like he's going to be five and then he's going to be 10. And then he's going to be moved out. Like, yeah. let's just sit with this. So finding that like mindfulness, man, I love that you apply that on the good side as well. And in terms of growth mindset, this is so, so important. Cause I have, I actually talked to a guy yesterday on the podcast, uh, which will be airing probably just before this one. And he was saying that he works with young athletes And one of the biggest things he's noticing is that kids will not make mistakes. Like, they will not fail. They will do anything to not screw up because the expectation is, like, a. in his case, it was sports. Like, A, we're paying a lot for this. B, you've been drilled into your head that you're perfect. You can do this. You can do anything. And then, like, the consequences for failure is, well, I'm a failure. And that lands for me really hard because like, I have this perfectionist streak. It's this core wounding from abandonment. Like I'm not going to get into that because I've talked about it before on this podcast, but it took me forever to legitimately fail at anything. And what that led to was looking perfect on the outside, but playing very, very small and never really accessing the shadow, the wound behind it all. So like, what else do you do with your kids to ensure that, like, when they fail, it's not like, "Oh, I'm an idiot; like, I can't do this." How do you, like, support them in failure?
1: Yeah, that's um, that's a great question, and I guess I'll I'm going to start with something that happened like just last night because it was sort of a bit of like an, an epiphany for me. Um, our uh, the five year old boy um, has recently gotten like really into legos and and building things just like you know fantastic but what'll happen is is like he he thinks so big which is which is wonderful but then it's it's daddy let's build a nine-story skyscraper with the legos and that was that was what he wanted to do last night like just before bedtime and my first thought was like oh my god like like i'm actually thinking of like how are we we can't actually do this how am i supposed to tell him that we're not supposed to do this And this is, and I realized as I was having this like self-talk with myself, that this is a recurring thing of, he wants to build something like really crazy and it can't really be done, but I don't want to squash his dreams. Right. And this thing just came to me of like, none of this matters. Just go downstairs and do Legos. Right. Like he's not going to actually like pressure you on the third floor engineering to the, we ended up just making whatever Legos. Right. It didn't, it was so silly to think that it was like, just sit down, have call time, start the Legos. And like, by that time he forgot about the skyscraper thing anyways. Right. So, but I guess that was kind of my own little fixed mindset thing that I had to like fix. Right. But with the the small things we do with our kids is uh, we put them in positions that we kind of know they're going to fail. And then we just laugh about it. Like we just (laughs) laugh about it. Um, And I would say that the toughest thing uh, with, you know, our toughest challenge in the last couple months has been food, right? And food is so difficult with kids. And so I'm, I'm actually right now actively trying to look at some ways to like, is it best to just tell them eat it or, or nothing else or make them try? So I would say that's an area in growth mindset where I'm really trying to like do my own research on how can I facilitate this in the, in the food department other than like we've done with, with other places, which is kind of setting up a small failure and and, and laughing and trying again and saying, well, that was silly, wasn't it? As opposed to, um, you know, and, and I think a lot of it comes from the reverse, which is like you had mentioned before, telling them they're perfect, you know, all the time is some ridiculous thing to say. You know, I, I just, I just started telling my, my son, we were watching some sports and he said, I'm faster than those guys. And I go, no, you're not. As opposed to like, I bet you are a little cheetah. That wasn't mean. I just said, of course, but <laughs> you yeah. but you're. But you're child you're you're not as fast as them because they train every day they eat special foods and diets and they've been working since you were that they were they're lifting weights right like it wasn't to be me it was just to say like no right like if you would like to be that fast you know this is the, the path but but it's like um i don't know so many things with kids are just met with like of course you are well that's kind of confusing isn't it <laughs>
0: Yeah, man, this is all so good. And I love like putting them in positions of failure. And one of the things that has stopped me from doing that in the past is this. I mean, obviously, from being a perfectionist myself, and this is sort of recently that I've tried to get out of this trap. But When we think about our kids failing, we often think about like, well, that reflects poorly on me. Like I look like a loser. I look like a failure. All the other parents who are obsessed with perfection, which like from the sounds of it, almost everyone is, uh, is going to look at me and know that I am no good. And so like I think that the failure for a lot of people to do that is simply like a uh, self-confidence thing. Like you can't handle other people being judgmental of you, even though this is what's right. And so we just go along with it and we, you know, do things that are not good for our kids. So I love doing the hard things and having those talks because a lot of people as well, uh, it sounds like you do not have a problem just like having honest conversations with your kids. Like they're not... Teeny, tiny little kids who don't get it. Like you can, you know, massage how you speak to them. But what I'm hearing is like, you, you're you okay just being like, no, dude, like they work. This is how it's done. If you want to do this, here's the real steps. And just giving them that like honest feedback that not babying them in a sense, if that makes sense, uh, would do. So do you think about that? Like, how do you how do you talk to them?
1: Yeah, I think that's the, uh, the main thing is, you know, and again, I want to preface like it's not, you know, making him cry because i told him he wasn't this or wasn't that right I, it's it's a very much like how much curiosity can i like get into his mind about something he's clearly interested in or wanting to do as opposed to just saying like it just sometimes when you just like say stuff you you say it and you go "That's just not true like if you say like you're the best whatever like in the world it's like what's the point of saying that versus saying like you know, I'm so proud of how much better you've gotten at this. I'm so proud of how many times you've tried this. Like, to me, that's just so much more of a fulfilling thing for a kid to hear than like when they eventually go like, yeah, it was weird that my dad would say I'm the best baseball player in the world until I was 15. And then I realized like, Holy, like, you know, like then, then I went to a a really hard workout and like everyone was better than me. And I felt like shit, which I would imagine happens for a ton of kids now. And I'm certainly not saying that I'm fixing that by what I'm saying to my kid, but I, I am certainly trying to put both my boys in a position to where they want to be in the room with people that are better than them. They want to be the, um, you know, the least educated in a room so that they can learn more. I I don't, you know, wanting to always put yourself in a room where you're the best at everything, you know, can end up being a pretty lonely feeling. Right. Because you don't. What do you Where? Where is your growth from that as opposed to being somewhere where you can make friends and learn and get better?
0: Yeah. And there's so much that's coming up for me That's it's like this balance between um, affirmation and challenge. So on the one hand, like you want to make sure that they know you are securely attached to them. And we talk about secure mm-hmm. attachment on this podcast a lot. Uh, and on the other hand, like boys, especially, and, and probably girls, I'm not as familiar because I only have boys, but boys especially require challenge, I think, to grow into capable, resilient men. And when we tell them, like, or when we like, for example, I play hockey in the back with my kids and like, I don't let them take the ball for me. Like, <laughs> no way, man, you're going to work for this because like, oh, look, you scored on daddy. Oh, you're so good. And then, like you said, they're going to get to someone who actually knows to play and they'll be like, oh, I hate this. Like, I'm not good. I'm not going to try anymore. And like, we get that sometimes with my oldest. He's like, oh, I can't get it. I'm not going to try. I can't do this. And it's like, well, keep practicing then like i have been doing this for like 30 years longer than you have kids so uh, <laughs> you know it gets some perspective and like these little lessons to push them And it's so important. I just want to reiterate the balance that you mentioned, which is like, it's not to make them cry because there are slave driving dads out there. Like I've heard it just like I used to have kids on my hockey team. The parents would be screaming at their kid to like, get up or do this or do that. And it's like, you can only win if you're like challenged. And then 20 years go by, they go to therapy and they're like, well, I guess my dad did love me. I just didn't really see it. It's like, well, like you don't have to be that hard. You can also push them in this container of, I love you no matter what like I would yeah. love for you to grow because it's fulfilling to you and I love you no matter what you do. So is that balance something that you actively think about?
1: Yeah, so he, here is something that um just now with my oldest because he's, he's turning 5 is we've made the transition from let's say it's a game or or like I I'm <laughs> like I don't know, 80% of regular old dads out there I'm pretty golf obsessed, right? So golf and and a little bit of like football and whatever else, but we've made this transition now to because I, I struggle a lot with, like, do you want to give him the confidence and let him play and let him think he's beating you? Or do you, or is it going to be like, he's 15, he finally kicked my ass at this, and he's going to have, like, a triumphant, like, the best day ever, right? So what what I've done around that is we when we're doing a game, it's like we are either, like, having fun practicing or we're playing a game. And if we're playing a game, like, I'm going to play against you. I'm not going to try and hurt you, but, like, you know, we're going to play the game. so. And that this, this past summer of, of playing golf, I said, listen, first of all, anytime you want to come with me, if you want to just sit in the cart and eat like M&Ms, like, that's great. Father, son, time, you don't have to do any of this. You know, I I would have been terrible if I were Tiger Woods, dad, but if you want to play like the game of golf, then we'll put a ball here really close to the hole, but you have to get it all the way in. And that's, you know, like we're either goofing or having fun or we're playing a game. And yeah, uh, we were doing that with the, you know, tossing around the football in the basement or something. And he always tries to rip the ball out of my hands and like never can. And I said, Well, you know, I'm holding on to it really tight. And just a couple nights ago, he grabbed my finger and like bent it backwards. And that ball popped out really quick. And he freaked. He's like, Daddy, I got it. Now in my back of my mind, I was like, what a little savage. But I was like kind of <laughs> kind of proud at the same time. I was like, "We well, he figured out a way. Like grab the smallest thing my dad's got holding onto this thing and just try and break his finger off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> man, I have had that exact same thing. We do this thing called keep away and it's just like there's a ball or a pillow and I just like hold on to it and they cannot get it. And it's the same thing. Like one of them will come on my back and like try and tickle me. The other one will like pry my fingers open and it's just like the craziest thing, but it's so good because they like learn, like you said, they like, okay, where's the, where's the points where I can like, yeah. leverage? I love that.
1: <laughs> and I, I really love a, the it idea. It was such a hilarious moment though. I was like, I was like first of all, ow. Second of all, like, yeah, what a, like, yeah, you, you look like, and I saw him looking and like thinking like, what am I going to do here? It just went for
0: it. Well, it's better than, 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 than nut shots or something. So, oh my (laughs) goodness. Yeah.
1: I've Uh, I've been lucky enough to stay away from that so, so far, so.
0: Yeah, no, I just love the idea and sort of putting this on a macro scale is setting a container between playing and practicing. I think that's a really important point and I'm glad you brought it up because it does allow for that nuance. So you're not like, you know, crushing them every time you play a game, but it's like, okay, there is an arena to try really hard to beat me. And there's an arena where I'm going to be like coach, not competitor. Yes. Um, so yeah. So I just I just want to sort of underscore that. Um, I want to switch gears just a little bit and get into... Therapy. And this is something that, like, I've had psychiatrists on. I've talked to a lot of guys who've gone to therapy. I've talked to coaches. People have gone to counseling. Like, there's this whole spectrum of things to do to heal your shit. And I talk about that a lot. I think the fundamental thing to become a better dad is to heal your own shit so you don't pass it on, so you're not triggered. And still, like, even in this day and age of like mental health campaigns on Twitter and whatever else it is, there's a load of men out there who are like, Ooh, I'm not going to go to therapy. (laughs) Like I just, I ain't going to do that. I'll be weak, whatever it is. But you told me that like you went and it really did good things for you, but that you were resistant. Could you just walk us through your journey with therapy?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would say I've been in therapy now for, I want to say three years. Um, but leading up to that, like I wouldn't necessarily be the person that would outwardly say, like, no, therapies for for the weak minded or whatever else. If we were talking about it, I'd say, yeah, like my, my my thought was always, if you expect to be great at anything, you get like a coach, right? And what more important than you know what's between your ears? And and for me, again, being in business, like that's what I use all the time. That's my instrument, right? Or that's my my talent, so to speak. So why wouldn't you hone and coach that? But I could say that a lot. But then in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, you're not on the couch, dude. You're not talking to somebody, right? Um, And so um, three years ago in April, uh, my uncle took his own life. He uh, hung himself in his home. And this would have been somebody growing up who was just a massive uh, male role model for me. Somebody I just looked up to immensely. I think a lot of men have that like uncle who is like able to be more fun than your dad because he's not your dad you know, gets to do all the fun stuff and then give you back at the end of the day. And this was this was that guy for me. I just I just looked up to him so much as a, you know, really in in, in the male role model way of of the things that he did and, and just the person that he was. And so it was 48 hours after that where I had an appointment and I was talking to somebody. It it, it shook me. Uh, so at that time, I had a a one that my just a one and a half year old boy. And um it just I thought how as tough as life gets, I never want to quit, you know, on, on my kids and anyone that's been through a, a suicide close to them get really, really angry. Um, in the immediacy, you just get so mad at this person for like, how could they do this? Um, and so I, uh, again, I, I started therapy to try and understand like, one, I don't want to be angry. <laughs> I don't want to be, you know, I want to, I want to, I, I know that a, any able-minded person would like, come and get this processed. So um, that was super important to me. But it's obviously been three years now. And I would say, two two of the biggest things for me about therapy, one is one is really, really simple, which is just, I think all of us give way too much credence to our self talk. And we don't understand how absurd some of the things that we can say to ourselves in our heads are until you say them out loud. Yet no one's going to force you to say them out loud until you go see a therapist. And they are just going to like, ask you questions they're going to ask you what you were thinking and you're going to say it out loud you're going to go oh shit like that does sound ridiculous when i say it out loud right the reason for holding back on getting a new job or or going out on your own or buying a new house or proposing to somebody like you 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 think about the little objections you go like that is now that i've said that out loud that is ridiculous and sometimes like that's just a lot of times it's just enough (laughs) to (laughs) to like make you like you know something different the other thing would just be like understanding that your self-talk is not your actions it's not who you are it's not it is it is your like anxiety talking it is it is your little little brain and if you are you know cursed to have a very active one like i am myself like it's a lot of work to quiet that down and yeah i have for as much you know therapy as i've been and i've never been i've not been able to really change that voice so i just like understand it's there and I just don't, I just make it quieter right? or I make it, or I just tell it like, yep, you've done your part now, but like, I'm going to move on anyway. So, um, yeah, therapy's just been, been huge for me.
0: Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing all that. And I love what you said about self-talk and, uh, while I would never tell men not to go to professional counseling therapy, one of the things about men's groups, uh, which I'm big on is just the chance to like speak, Like I have only had breakthroughs because I've been able to speak and then like either the absurdity comes out or the words on top finally get all taken away and what you're left with is like the truth underneath. And so I love what you said, even if it's like a trusted friend or a men's group, like therapy is a great way to go there on purpose. And I love that you were proactive about that. And uh, that's honestly something I have not heard a lot of. And I know there was like this very sudden, traumatic, tragic event, um, which gave rise to it. But imagine if we just thought of our brains as we do of our bodies, those of us who go to the gym, like you got to exercise it. You got to keep it healthy. Mental health is like 100% real. There's no doubt about that. And so why wouldn't you get, like you said, coaches? and Mm -hmm. man are are there like a couple of specific things that you've worked on in therapy or like that have you've seen results from and i know it's not necessarily like a results-based thing but beyond quieting that lizard brain beyond being able to be like thanks for what you're doing and now go away Uh, like are there other examples of just how good this has been for you
1: yeah so um Let's talk about uh, setting boundaries. Would be a be a big one, and this this goes in professional life, personal life, and and I think that again, and and this is sort of what what you were saying a minute ago about getting to the deeper level. Oftentimes, I will bring a small problem to therapy, and by the end, it's like okay, I now see how this is a pattern that is happening in my life, and that it's not just doesn't just need to be fixed at this time. It needs to be like like a metaphore a system for, for working through these things. So I remember taking a, a a problem to my therapist and saying, Hey, you know, this particular client is like unreasonable, not, you know, it is just driving me crazy. Let's just put it that way. Right. And it was because none of my boundaries were respected because I didn't set the boundaries, right? I just assumed that this will always work out. Most of my clients aren't like this, but in this case it was saying, okay, Hey, you know, I work these hours. If it's an emergency here, example, like giving all these boundaries for like, this is how to contact me. This is what an emergency really is. You know, all these things that I was so, so terrified to like send an email that said, Hey, you know, I understand that X, Y, and Z happened. You know, the problem with this is, you know, a couple of sentences on, it drives me crazy and takes me away from my family in, in, in so many words. But I was so scared to like send that email that like, this is, this is no bullshit. I, I remember coming to my office cause this was a huge client for me. I came to my office like in the evening and I like poured myself a drink to like write an email, which, you know, like I don't recommend drinking because you need to like, you know, but, but it whatever it worked for me. I was like, okay, you know, this is for me. Let's have a drink. And, and I sent the email and the response I got was, okay, sounds great. I apologize. And like the, 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 it was like done. Everything was fine, you know, and and so in, in in the client's mind, he was thinking that we were like had this more like working relationship, and he's like, I treated you like I, like we were co you were a co founder or something. I said, that's great, but like a lot of shit go on. So, but but with that being said, these opportunities to, to set boundaries with you know laws, grandparents, you know, things where it's hey, you know, for us it's a lot about you know we're, we're my wife and I are. We try, uh, we try really hard to limit sugar. We just do, just plain old sugar. And you also, you know, it's it's as simple as everyone's got this thing with with grandparents and mother in laws and whatever that on on this sugar stuff, right? But but sticking, like the, the more you, it's it's actually the same as raising kids, right? If you set a boundary with your kids, the quicker you stick to it the first time, like the easier everything is. It's the same with with kids, right? The moment that. That kid starts to think that if they whine, they're going to get the thing that you just told them no to. Like all you're doing is training, training them to whine. And it's so much harder that second and third time um, than if you just say like, you know, whatever that we don't do, we don't do dessert every night. It just doesn't happen, right? Whatever the case may be. But um, that definitely comes full circle with the kids, right? It's like the quicker you set the boundary and the quicker you are to just say like, absolutely not. It's just not, it's just a, it's just a no switch. It's not a maybe, it's not a dimmer switch. It's a no. Um, the the, often the better those work.
0: Yeah. And that, uh, boundaries are so important that I think this is one of those like hidden issues that are people are like, Oh, why is this so wrong in my life? And there's a lot of like external things that they could point to, but I believe from what I've seen, like the vast majority of people seem to struggle with boundaries and whether that's because you don't think you're worth setting the boundaries or because you want to be helpful. You're like saving people as one of your, uh, you know, the hats you put on, when it comes to boundaries like in my experience everything gets better even though like you said it's like one of the hardest things to do every time i've been in a similar situation like panicked and like sweating and shaking and like if i send this well then like my life's over so i like i better just enjoy this time that i'm still alive because if i say something like i am done it's literally never turned into anything beyond what you just said which is like, yeah. okay, sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> is that it? Okay. And so like, do you want, just last thing before we jump into business, is there a way that you can like, just explain what boundaries mean to you? Because the way I think about it is just like something that feels bad to you that you are not willing to like accept. And that's, I don't know, like I don't know what a better way to put it is, like something that feels like a no, And that requires you to be sort of in touch with how you're feeling. But like, what do you think about that? Is there a better way to put that?
1: Yeah. So I guess I just think of it in terms of everyone has their own set of, of kind of principles and and, and values. And we can talk about like large, you know, life guiding principles, but also just think just the way you do things and you do those things because you believe that like, that's what will you know help you and your family get to the best place. Right. And each person is entitled to, the way that they do those. Right. Um, and so whenever I feel like someone is sort of like, is like stepping with a muddy shoe on one of my <laughs> little values or principles. And, and, and that might mean something like, again, like I said, with the kids, like they just aren't fed treats, right? Treats aren't a part of just like, every time you do something great, you get like a Reese's bar or Reese's candy. That's just not something we believe in. Right. So that, but it's also like, for, for me, every morning, you know, from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. is like uninterrupted work time. So like that also means that like sometimes I have to say to my wife, like, hey, you know, if you have a like a work thing you need to vent about, like now is not the time, right? Like this is not, if it can wait until after lunch or something, like please do that. Because again, that that puts a muddy shoe on like my three hours of uninterrupted morning work where I grow the business. And, and I know that those are things for the greater good of our family, but it's a very, very, very easy to give them up because your family needs you for something minuscule in the moment. Uh, but like you just, and it's like a, what's like death by a thousand cuts or something, right? That will like quickly happen and and it'll erode. And, and again, I think that the, the biggest thing with the boundaries and this, and it's definitely the toughest part is setting it like firmly the first time it comes up doesn't, and not going, not giving in on that time because that you are just setting the tone for, for how it goes. It's just, no, it's just basic habit forming, really. I mean, it's the same thing that when I remember in, in sleep training, our, our first child, uh, we you know, paid to hire like a, a sleep coach It was going so poorly that we were getting sleep. And she had just said to us like, listen, if, if somebody woke you up every two hours and gave you like French fries and like a hamburger and like a chocolate shake, you would start to get up after an hour and 50 minutes and scream for your hamburger and and French fries. And so stop rewarding the you know, like, you, you need to like wean off of this because otherwise you are literally just training your child to get you up every two hours so um i see a similar thing as you know we sort of we get what we accept and we get what we train people around us to do
0: yeah that's a fantastic point point. and the consequences of not doing that is like typically resentment right like you let your wife end to you and you're like oh, i should be working right now but like i gotta be here and like fuck, like I I didn't want that. And now I'm mad at her or mad at myself. And if you just like set the boundaries, understand that you are worth setting boundaries for, which I think a lot of dads are like, I just got to be the rock and the punching bag and all that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, right. I still see that quite a lot. But yeah, set those boundaries for you because your mental health in the family is vital. If you're not showing up at yeah. your best, like you're screwing your whole family.
1: So so here's a little um like trick that came from therapy, which is when you have one of those moments where you like, you know, you have like an angry outburst, or you know, you, you respond to your wife in a way that's like just really not not you and um you feel bad about it. Like it typically means that at some point in that situation or earlier in that day, like you let a boundary get broken. And like this is the like come up from that. So like working backwards from that. And and I think you basically outlined it, right? It's like you're you're you tell like I might tell my wife, like at seven o'clock, like, hey, the boys are down, I actually go do some, do some work. And then I'll get the look of like, Oh, come on. Like we're supposed to like, this is supposed to be our time. And I'll, I'll go, you know, this is bullshit. I got to make all this money to pay for this, all this random, like crap, you know? And then, but in reality, I'm just mad at myself because earlier in the day when I was supposed to have my three hours of uninterrupted work, like whether it was, who knows any, any number of things, like I let break those boundaries and not get that work done. And I'm just, I'm just really just upset with myself. It's not, <laughs> it's nothing to do. But of course we, snap on those who love the most because I know that mm-hmm. she's gonna eventually go like I understand, you know, and I can apologize and make it all right, but it didn't have to ever happen.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a good point too about just like giving giving your worst to the people closest to you. I did that forever, man. And I I, I don't want to get into that, but I just want to like note well, that uh, you can yeah,
1: please kids do it too. Kids do it too. Right. You know, we, we just had a yeah you know we, we talked to our our kids, uh, teachers and daycare people and you know they go especially like our my our year and a half year old is like a little bit of a bear at home and he like can throw a tantrum with the best of them and they're like oh, we've just absolutely never seen that here not once he shares everything when he, it's like it's hilarious and i go well yeah it's the same thing like the kids when they're in the comfort of their own home they're just gonna go buck wild because they know that like you know maybe that's a they're positive safe. sign that they know they know they have our unconditional love you know <laughs>
0: yeah and that that's exactly <laughs> they what will it is It's saw something it for yeah. I saw something the other day about like the reason you should feel great that your kid brings the tantrums to you because that means you're safe. Like, that's what yeah. we want. We want the secure attachment where like the one place they feel safe to go like ape shit is with yeah. you. And like, man, that's triggering a lot. But like, look yeah. at the other yeah. side as well. Um, <laughs> speaking of sort of your, your business boundaries like with this client. Let's get into that in the last 10 minutes here. And just like I want to hear your story from like nine to five into business owner into successful business owner. Were you a business owner before you had kids? Like what was your journey out of the typical sort of cubicle life or whatever your job was uh, into entrepreneurship?
1: Yeah. So even um as a as a child, I was always fascinated by work. Like I, I loved the idea like when I was a young kid of like shoveling snow and like people just give you money to shovel snow. And I was like, this is great. This takes like 20 Like I like, I was like nine. I love being outside anyways. I, you know, so I like would do that. I would do the paper routes. I remember working in the mailroom of my um the law firm that my dad worked at when I was like 15 for like five bucks an hour. And I would just, they would give us mail that was going to be walked around downtown Detroit and like delivered to other law firms. And I was like, and they would give you like a like a per diem for lunch. And I was like, I just get to walk around outside in the sun, like delivering mail to these cool skyscrapers and like they're gonna pay for my lunch and pay me. It was like the best. I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. I would like sweep hair in my grandfather's barber shop. Like I just did all these random things, but I just I don't know. I just I love I love like seeing as odd as it sounds, I love like seeing commerce. I love like seeing like I don't know that stuff happen. And so after college. I worked at a couple of um, e-commerce companies. So one that sold recording studio equipment. So like, I mean, the giant mixing boards you see in like movies, they would sell those to like all these incredible studios. It was a really neat setup. And, but I started as I was there to, to like apply, you know, I had this a little bit of a background in, in tech and a little bit of a background in like uh, marketing and psychology. And so I like sort of felt like online stores and online shopping kind of like brought all these things together. Um, so I worked for that company, then another startup, and one day we all walked into work at the startup and it was like, you know, hey, we're being acquired. And this wasn't like a woo-woo acquisition. It was like an oh shit, like we're all done. So that was obviously scary, but I knew I had 30 days of like, yeah, 30 more days. And, and then like, you know, we're cutting everybody loose. So I freaked out, but I was saying to myself, like, you've always said you wanted to like go out on your own. You always said you wanted to do consulting or start an agency and help other brands. And, and I, and I had this thing in the back of my mind of people always talk about the massive risk of like going out on your own. But to me, I, I, I always thought of it as I only have one boss. Like you have one boss when you work in a nine, a traditional nine to five. Right. So it's just one person's decision to like fire you. But if I just had like five clients, like, and one fired me, it wouldn't be the end of the world, right? Like that that always like made sense to me is like, why do people act like having a job is so safe when you only have one job as opposed to clients or customers, whatever, where like one can fire you every day, you know, if you have like if you have hundreds of customers paying 50 bucks for something, right? Um, so that sort of gave me some confidence. And you know, people had always said, like, you're the guy to go to for like how to get higher conversion rates on your, you know, e-commerce stores. And I was like, Yeah. And then I was like, why don't you just lean into that and just be that guy? Right. Like just start it it, it all crystallized because my back was against the wall. And I think that, you know, I have I have fought against that a lot of my life. Like, why do I not want to do anything until my back is against the wall? Um, And I've just started to say, like, screw it. Why don't I just purposefully put my back against the wall sometimes and like see what comes out? You know, like and that was something that worked there where it's like it all became so much more clear when, you know, let's say like the proverbial like, you know, history paper was due at 9 a.m., you know, and it was 8 PM the night before, like all of a sudden you go like, well, it's going to get done. Right. Like, <laughs> and I, I, I've admittedly always kind of, kind of been that person.
0: Yeah. Thank you, man. It seems like you're one of those do today, do today sorts where, uh, you know, start at the last second. Um, what, uh, just before we get any more into like the specifics of business, when else have you put your back against the wall on purpose?
1: Hmm. So let's say, uh, I'll give a small one recently, which was, you know, I I have consulting clients, but I have always wanted to break out more into um, like selling some of my knowledge, right? So instead of just having a client saying like, "Hey, here's the ultimate e-commerce, you know, conversion rate checklist or whatever," and so I was like, "You've talked about doing stuff like this for a long time, and yet like you never have." And so I said, "Well, the first thing is, why don't I just launch a pre-order of the product now, and then why don't I just schedule a tweet?" schedule it to go live and then schedule a tweet, a series of tweets that like announces like, Hey, this is going live and like do like an email. So like all these things are already set in motion that I could, yes, go in and like stop them. But like, it was just enough for me to say like, all right, now your back's against the wall. You've got a week and a half. Like, you know, it would be really embarrassing to go and like stop all those things you set in motion to like announce this thing. It'd be easier to just do the damn thing. Right. So that was like a little bit of engineering, like my back against the wall and saying like, you know, just set it out there to already be done and and then just go finish it.
0: Yeah. That's such a great idea. And I've been doing some of that in this, in my own business as well. It's just like you say you, something's coming and then like figure it out, (laughs) you know, the week before, just like know that you're going to do. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: So let's say like, like for instance, like in my business, each client is worth you know thousands a month. And I know that like a a product like I'm this I'm creating isn't going to do that for any, in any uh, a short amount of time, right. It's going to take time. You have to like promote it and whatever else. So for me, I've always gone with the, you know, why don't I just go like cold call or cold email a few companies or like use my relationships. And Oh, there's that, there's that lead that's in there. Like I'll always just try and go for just why don't I just get a new client. Right. But then it's like, I remind myself, wait a minute, like, I don't, I want this diversification of how revenue comes in and have some dedicated to clients, some dedicated to you know customers that are purchasing like an ebook or a checklist and things like that. So I had to like, I had to almost like trick myself into doing it, which like, I don't know if anybody else like feels this way, but I, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm like an inherently a lazy person. I just inherently, like, I just will do the things directly in front of me. And I, and I sort of struggle to see the, the big picture. And I've never been a big, like five year, 10 year plan person. So like, I just sometimes need to trick myself into like getting to where I want to go. But I, I have tried to learn to just, just, just quit, I've been fighting against that for so long. Like, why not just engineer ways to say, like, all right, let's make this a little fun and, like I said, throw my back against the wall and, and figure it out?
0: Yeah, that's actually inspiring to hear that you, like, purposefully find discomfort because it sounds like what you're saying is comfort is easy. Comfort's the thing in front of me, comfort's the thing I don't have to think about. And that will keep getting me whatever inertia brings. On the other side of that is intentionality and like consciously choosing to do the things in your life. And that's for me, like one of my core fundamental principles, values is intentionality. Like I do not want to wake up one day and be like, wow, life has been living me for the past year. Yeah. I always want to be in the driver's seat, the author of my own life, if you will. So that's amazing to hear that you're like rever- or actually like engineering ways to keep yourself in the driver's seat. Yeah.
1: And I think that, uh, again, like I I can only speak in my my personal experience, but it is remarkably easy to backslide into that, right? Where you're just like, because you know what? Just just getting up every day, just doing the job in front of you, being a great father, being a great husband, trying to be a kind person, like that's a day, that's a day. And you could just do that day every day. And then like you said, that you might look back, God, I'd always dreamed of starting that business or I'd always dreamed of, you know, feeling like I was, I was helping people at scale or something like that. And, um, I, again, like for me personally, like I, I kind of have to trick myself into like doing those things. Otherwise, you know, I, I will go a few months and go like, shit, like I haven't done anything besides, you know, what, what's, what's asked of me. Right. Like I haven't, like you said, uh, uh acted with intentionality.
0: Right. How's your time? Great. You good for a couple more minutes? Yeah, Sure. Sweet. Okay. The the last thing, maybe we'll just finish it off on this is um, I'm wondering like when you made the transition, I know your back was against the wall. Like your job was basically coming to an end, but did you have guardrails in place to be like, okay, at least I know I've got X amount of the bank. I've talked to my wife about this. She's on board. Or were you just like, I'm just not going to get another job. Screw this.
1: So I was dead set on doing this. Now, when the acquisition happened. I remember like there was like a parent company that came around and basically said to everybody, like, if you want to do like your same job, but over here, it'll be lateral. Like you won't. And it, like just hearing them say like, they'll like absorb you and you'll get to work for this huge conglomerate company and do the same thing and make the same amount of money. It was like such an unappealing offer. That I'm so thankful that like that was like the backup plan was like that, and I was like, I am not doing that. Like I am, that just it felt like such a step backwards and such a like admission of failure that I just wasn't going to let myself do it. And so I, I said like I, we were in this um it was a startup, so we were in this like building with a lot of other startups. So I was like, just go to these are people you would like talk to in the lunchroom about e-commerce, or whatever else. Like why not just say like, hey, if someone were to offer you like you know monthly checks of your website, ideas for optimization, like things like that. Is that something you guys would pay for? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, can I send you an invoice? Like, was like, you know, like <laughs> what, what can I do that? Cause I was so determined to like, I, I did not want to take, you know, this, this, this job that like had no, had no soul, had no like interesting components to it. So um, there was that, but I had no, like I was, I was young. We had just like, bought a house. I did not have much much of like a nest egg to fall back on. I just knew. So again, like back against the wall, it was, if I get X amount of clients at this amount per month, like that's what I was just making, right? Like just replace that, just replace that. Um, And so like it took a, it took a a few months, but it did not take as long as I thought.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's always the way of things too, especially when you're hustling like that. I mean, that's what I heard is you got to have the balls to go up and be like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Would you pay for that? And then like, okay, now pay me <laughs> So much yeah. as I, I love the hustle.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, there, there was like, and that was always something that like, I will roll my eyes at like a friend that comes up to me and says like, I had this, you know, business idea. And I'm always like, okay. And then you listen and you're like, have you asked anyone to pay any amount of money for it? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, maybe you should like start there. are like, well, I don't want to ask anyone to pay for it yet. I'm like, okay. So until you're ready to do that, you are not ready to like start. And I know, I know but whatever, like, and, and and people can look up, like, you know, whatever it's lean startup or creating an MVP of your idea. But like, that is the, the only way to prove if it has any modicum of opportunity is that somebody will give you money for it. And if your friends will not even give you money for it, like people that like you've designed it for that, you know, will not give you money for it. Like, it's a good sign that you should move on to something else. And it, it's sort of like, It's sort of like um, we were talking about with with the kids earlier. It's like the sooner you, the sooner that someone is aware that like there's a way to do this and this is what you have to do to like do that. Like again, if if your kid wants to do some sport, it's like, no, 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 unless you're doing those things, like you will not be the fastest person in the world, right? Like unless you're asking people to give you money in exchange for a service or a product, like you are not doing a business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that is, it's so easy to be like, I got this idea. Ideas are like completely useless and people are like, I'm an idea guy. And well, like, okay, what are you going to do about that? And I've experienced that myself as well, because like my old business, my other business, I should say, I still have it, is all about Google, SEO, Amazon, affiliate marketing, advertising, all that kind of stuff. And there wasn't a lot of like individual needing to go out and like prove the concept. It was just like, can I rank in Google? And then like, will people buy the things that I tell them are good? And like, yeah, so that's one way of doing it, I guess. But for this business, dad work, like it's this quasi business thing where like I want to help guys. And I know that when you put money where your mouth is, you get more results. And so like I've been trying to serve from my heart as much as possible while offering things that i know work for me so like courses of my best resources that help me change my life men's groups with other dads communities masterminds all these things and it took going out there and being like i got this thing would you pay for it And a few men did. And I was like, okay, now there's something here. A hundred percent full throttle, like let's go. And it's going to be a lifelong thing now because it's actually changing lives. So like that first step, you're so right. Is like, you got to actually make sure people want this.
1: And like, what if, so, so let's say you had gone through that same idea. You had gone to like friends and they had told you like, oh my God, Kurt, like what, it's such an awesome idea. Like, that's incredible. You should totally do that. And they just kept saying that. Then you came out with like the landing page. You had the buy button. You sent it to all your friends and none of them bought it. Like, that's just, it's disingenuous. It's just, it sucks, right? Because that would, they, you had been given all of this, like, you know, sort of like fixed mindset praise of like, you're going to be great at this. You're amazing. Nice. You're the best. You're the perfect person for that. And then like in the back of the mind, the person's thinking like, well, I'm not going to buy it. Well, it's like, well, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I'm not saying <laughs> every product is for different people. Right. But like, but it just, and, and I, you know, I now at least like. I've had that conversation enough times where I had, you kind know, of like an elegant way to say like, okay, listen, like, <laughs> I understand this is what you want to do, but, you know, are you prepared to do like, and, and another thing that, that when people are talking about like navigating where they want to go next, this is a question I found to ask that kind of sort of like helps people to rein in what they're trying to do is if you imagine that business being successful, and then you imagine the problems that come along with that business because every business has problems. Do those problems excite you or do they terrify you? Like, do they, do they make you like excited to like, you might have like that nervous energy, but do you have that nervous good? Like you, I want to go solve that problem. Or do you think like, that's the worst thing I could ever imagine? Like, cause every business has problems. Um, like just recently I was talking with a friend who wanted to do like a kids, kind of like kids vitamin supplement supplement type business. And we were talking and, we talked through that, that kind of thought experiment is like, well, the worst thing that could happen is like, there's some kind of tainted thing in this and the kid like gets really sick and he's like, you know what, I'm out. He's like, I can't, that can't be the problem, right? Yeah. That can't be the problem. I'm not, I'm not willing to go to a place where like at scale, that's going to happen. Right. <laughs> like, so, so it's just an interesting thought experiment. Every business has problems. And you know, if those problems like really excite you, then, then go for it. But if the problems just feel like something that keeps you up at night and makes you feel small, then like. I don't know if I would
0: do that. Yeah. Man, this is uh this has been so good and I think I if I were to put an action step here it would be that if you are thinking about this and your back is against the wall, then like find the thing like Josh did which is like, oh, people like tell me I'm this and then go sell it. Like ask people if they'd buy it and then be like, okay, like here's my invoice just like Josh did. Do you have any last sort of thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I would say like people tend to shy away from that because they think that every business needs to be like a new shark tank thing. Um, when in reality, it's like, I, I mean, if you look about like the, the particularly like if you're in the States, like the, the, the environment right now around just like service businesses, like someone to cut your lawn and clean your gutters, like things like that. The bar is so low right now that there's like this massive opportunity in these really antiquated businesses. So if you're a person that's like fixes small little engines and blowers and lawnmowers. Like I bet you could kill it as a business, but you don't have to like start SpaceX, right? Like it's also a lot easier. It's a good point. It's a lot easier to start a second business than a first business. So like doing something where you are the, you know, I am the house painting guy, like just lean into that and do that. And if you want to eventually do something different, like, guess what? You'll have like capital and you'll have something to like, a second business is a lot easier than a first business.
0: Totally. Absolutely, man. And there's actually, if that's you and you're listening, there's a guy called Nick Huber, I think, uh, and he runs Sweaty Startups, which is just like exactly what you're saying. It's like, screw yep. all the SpaceX stuff, screw, you know, Uber, screw Silicon Valley. It's like, just start like a lawn mowing business, start a yes, cleaning start, business, start, a, start, a, start a lawn
1: mowing business and like text me when you're on the way so that I can get the kids like stuff yes. on the lawn Like, let me know. There's software out there. If If you took a picture of like, this is what your shitty lawn looked like before. This is what it looks like now. Like all these little things, I would also just pay you a monthly fee. Like you wouldn't even have to like, oh, you you missed a time because it rained. Like I don't care. It's just coming out of my account, like debited. Like just let's just move on with our lives, right? There's always opportunities when like right now my lawn gets cut. Like I don't even know when I get like a paper invoice. I have to write a check and like find a stamp. It's like. What is this? So Crazy. there's tons of opportunity out there, and it's not it's not always a, a shark tank idea.
0: Yeah. Well, Josh, this has been so much fun. I have loved getting to know you over this medium. And uh, where can people find you, uh, your business? Maybe like just give us where uh, anyone who wants to learn more can go.
1: Yeah. Honestly, the best place is just Twitter. So I'm just at Josh Frank on Twitter. Um, that's the easiest thing. Um, again, my my business is for like uh, seven and eight figure e commerce brands. That's at testtriggers.com, but really just, you know, Twitter is, is, is where I'm mostly at and you can find anything you need there.
0: Sweet. Okay, man. Well, thank you so much for jumping on with me. And that's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, man. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world. To find out more about everything that we talked about in the episode today, including show notes, resources, and links to subscribe, leave a review, work with us, go to slash pod. That's d-a d.w. Type that into your browser just like a normal URL, dad.work slash pod. You'll find everything there you need to become a better